it's hard to wait, isn't it? It's hard to wait, especially when the wait gets long. And we come to this time of the year, and I know the kids are having a difficult time to wait. If you've got your Christmas tree up and there are wrapped packages underneath, I'll wager that someone has already been jiggling and shaking them. Can you guess what's in there? You know, Christmas is coming, and the gift with your name will be yours. And that's hope, a biblical kind of hope. Not a hope-so hope, but your name is on there. An eager expectation, a confident hope. But waiting is hard. The longer the wait, the harder it is. And the bigger the promise, the harder it becomes. So waiting is a major part of the Christmas story, a long wait. Waiting for an amazing, wonderful promise from God but confident hope that God's promises will begin to unfold. God's people had been waiting. Imagine, will you, what it might have been like to live in a country that had been under some other nation's thumb. Once your country had been great, but for decades and centuries, other armies marched through your streets and other rulers told you what to do, hauled your sons off to war and took taxes of your hard-earned money. Once your nation was great and powerful and respected, but no longer. In America, we live in a nation that has never really been conquered. But imagine how that would feel. And imagine what you would feel when you picked up the prophet Isaiah and read this promise from God. In the former time, God humbled and brought contempt upon the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea. The people who have been walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Ever since the days of Solomon, when your nation was great, there was this natural yearning and waiting among the people of God. That hope and yearning grew stronger in the days of the prophets. When will we again be respected and triumphant? God promised our nation would be raised up and great. It will happen again, but when? And they waited, and they prayed, and they longed to be what God promised they could be. So hope was a major theme in their national yearning. And as Isaiah prophesies on, he prophesies that the sign of the coming promise was going to be the birth of a royal son. This is not just the pro- a promise of empty words. This is a promise in a person. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders. No more will another nation hold you under its heel. No more will a foreign king or a Caesar control your laws and demand your tribute. This son born to us will have the government on his shoulders. And this hope has a name. His name is Jesus. In chapter 7, Isaiah called him Emmanuel, God with us. In Isaiah 9, Isaiah tells us his titles, four titles that encompass the promise of God. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, every one of those titles holds a promise for the nation, and national fulfillment is still outstanding because in the end times, Jesus will rule and reign over the land of Israel. But this morning, I want us to take some time to consider what those titles can mean for our personal life, because 
while salvation for the nation and the land of Israel is yet outstanding, Jesus in his first coming didn't arrive to be a political savior, a national hero. He came to be a personal savior, a redeemer, a rescuer for your life and my life. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And these titles, while they are full of national significance to satisfy Israel's hope, they are full of personal significance, promising hope for me to bring deliverance and health to my life and your life, hope for you to bring rescue and well-being to your heart. Hope has a name, and the name is Jesus. Jesus came, and in his coming, he satisfies your hope. What are his titles? Wonderful Counselor. Could anyone ever be a more wonderful counselor than Jesus? To those of us who know him and have opened up our lives to his rule and reign, he is an amazing, gracious therapist. Through his Holy Spirit, he unveils to us secrets about ourselves, counsels us on how to avoid heartaches and problems that could damage and destroy us. I'm so thankful for the inner voice of the Holy Spirit, who is the voice of Jesus, showing me my weakness, warning me away from temptation, and who then gives me the strength that I need to live rightly, a gracious, wonderful counselor. I was thinking this week about one young man I worked with in my uh, early years of youth ministry. His story is nearly unimaginable. His name is Jerry, and Jerry had a horrible home life. His mother married four times, and every time she married a man more angry and abusive than the last. The only thing Jerry remembered about his real dad was one night being chased around the front yard, and when his dad caught him, he beat him up and poured half a bottle of whiskey down his throat. One of Jerry's family, uh, out of Jerry's family, every one of Jerry's five brothers and sisters has either spent time in a mental hospital or a prison. In the days I knew him, in his college days, two of his siblings had already ended their own life. But Jerry, by the blessing of God, was sent to a Christian foster home, wonderful foster parents. There he found Jesus, and across years, God brought grace into his troubled mind and healing to his emotional scars and wounds. I had a part as his youth pastor. His foster family had a major part. Good social workers and church friends all had a part, but it was all orchestrated by Jesus, the wonderful counselor. I found Jerry online just this last week. He's the uh, chairman of the elder board of his church, and he was sharing with his congregation their process to find a new pastor. It was so good to see his face and hear how God is leading in his life. Great Christian writer A.B. Simpson wrote, There is no difficulty too intricate for him, Jesus, to unravel. There is no little detail of life too petty for him to take an interest. There is no toil too tedious for him to go through with us. There is no tangle too involved for him to unthread and unloose. There is no complication of life or difficult circumstance too extreme for him not to be willing to take hold and lead us gently out into the light. All of that because he is our wonderful counselor. Do you need his counsel today?
Isaiah gives him a second title, Almighty God. Here's a mystery. God didn't send a messenger. Surprisingly and mysteriously, God came himself in Jesus. He is not just a good teacher, not just a wise philosopher, not just a kind leader. He is almighty God. We could spend a bunch of time today just recounting all the miraculous ways, uh, his healing ministry, his supernatural knowledge and wisdom, how those demonstrate that he is almighty God, that he is immense. Emmanuel, God with us. But I want you to personalize that this morning. Do you know, you who have received Jesus, that the power of the Almighty will work in your life? I remember the night before my wedding, I said to myself in a moment away from everyone else, Steve, what have you done? What makes you think you're up to being a husband? I thought almost the same thoughts when each of my daughters was born. God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm not up to this. And I've talked to so many moms who feel overwhelmed at what it takes to be a mother. I've spent many hours with people whose job challenges were way over their head. Many conversations with people overwhelmed with the challenges of the Christian life. Oscar Wilde once said, I can resist anything but temptation. He wasn't a Christian, but it feels like that to us, doesn't it? I've heard people say, it's so hard to walk with Jesus. Do you know my answer? It's not hard. It's impossible, hopeless. No human being can do it and live faithfully for God alone. But the wonderful thing is that our mighty God has more than enough power. And because of Jesus, the almighty God pours his power and strength into those who follow Jesus. Listen, this Jesus who is wonderful counselor, almighty God, he will give you all the strength you ever need for everything he asks you to do. So what challenges are you facing right now? Is there an addiction that holds you? Is there some problem you can't work your way through? He is your hope because he is the mighty God. He's here saying, I want to get involved in your life and I want to take you through. Not only is he wonderful counselor, mighty God, he's the everlasting father, the everlasting father. I need to remind you that life is not limited to what you experience on this earth. This life that we live will someday come to a close for us. I've checked the statistics and the death rate for human beings is right at 100%. We don't get out of this life alive, do we? Our bodies were not made for eternity, but our souls were. And let me say this boldly because of what Jesus did entering our world and giving his life at the cross and then rising from the dead. We have hope, not just a hope, so hope, but confident hope that eternal life awaits us beyond the grave. And then lastly, Isaiah names him Prince of Peace. We all face the problems, storms, struggles and disappointments of life. Life is not easy. Troubles come into every life, and in our troubled life, we also live in the midst of a violent world. There are troubled homes. Maybe you come from one of those. There are troubled lives. Maybe you'd say that your life bounces from one crisis to another. Maybe your life is filled with trouble right now, and you don't know what to do. 
Well, I want to say to you, the wonderful one will counsel you. The mighty God will share his strength with you. The Prince of Peace has peace for your troubled heart. About 20 years ago, God gave me a friend and a woman who told me how she had run away from home in her early teens. She was looking for the happiness that she felt was missing and wanted to be free from parents she felt were controlling her. Out on the West Coast, she threw her life into parties and drugs and jumping from one bed to another. None of it brought the satisfaction she yearned for. Lonely and empty, she told me she was trying to fill up the empty place inside of her heart. And then, invited by a friend, he found her, she found herself in a little corner church where at the end of the service, she was introduced to a personal relationship with Jesus. And she told me instantly her empty spot was filled. Instantly, she knew that she had found the love she never knew. And in that moment, her heart was more at rest than she had ever experienced could be possible for her. And in her words, she said, I never want to be away from the one who loves me deeper than I have ever known, the one who gave me peace, the prince of your peace. It brings to mind the words of Psalm 42. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God for I shall again praise you. And Psalm 25, three, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. So hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Jesus, who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And those who hope in him find their lives transformed and their souls healed. Can I take you just a little bit further in this great Isaiah text? The next words talk about the future day when Jesus will not only fulfill the hopes of our personal hearts, but will yet fulfill the promise of the political messianic hope of Israel. For Isaiah says, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this, writes Isaiah. And this speaks of a future day, a day yet to come in which Christ will return to earth to set up his kingdom. And I promise you, when he establishes his administration, there won't be any need for ballot recounts. There won't be any question about who's in charge or whether he can govern. There won't be any scandals or half-truths. There won't be impeachments or accusations. Justice and righteousness will reign. He will rule righteously as King of kings and Lord of lords. And we have never been closer to the return of Jesus Christ than we are at the present in this precise moment in time. You know, today, it's a good idea to read the news with your Bible in hand. The events we see on the news, especially what's happening in Israel, what's happening with the world's ecosystem, what's happening with natural disasters, what's happening as social structures of our culture break down. All of that, the Bible says, is precisely what's going to happen just before Jesus 
returns. If you're looking at world events and trying to make sense, asking what does this mean, let me tell you what it means. It means that very soon Jesus will return. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't dread that day. You look forward to it, right? You eagerly anticipate it. Amen? And you say, like the Apostle John who wrote down the last words of the Bible, even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Come, Lord Jesus. But you see, in this mysterious plan, before he could bear the government on his shoulders, he had to come and bear the cross on his shoulders. Before he will come and bear a crown of gold, he first had to wear a crown of thorns. He came the first time, born in a manger, in humble beginnings, came with this purpose to die for us, paying the price for our sins so that we could know his joy, his power, his answers, his purity. The good news is that as we wait and hope for his return, we don't have to wait till he returns for his rule and reign in our lives. That can start today. For us, he can be wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That can start today. And I wonder if your life is in trouble right now. You can put on a good show and get all dressed up and look good on Sunday, but maybe underneath are problems, marriage problems, family problems, work problems, problems in your personal life. You don't know what to do to do it. You're losing hope. But there is hope in this one who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You need to come to the living Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this life alone. I don't do very well doing it my way. I admit I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness and a fresh start at life with you as the director and boss of my life. The government of my life will be on your shoulders. Or maybe for you, Christian, it's that in this last year, you've kind of pushed him off the throne of your life. You've ignored the King of Kings and started doing life your own way. I guarantee you that always leads to hardship and trouble, a crisis sooner or later. Why? Because you and I weren't meant to do life on our own. We were meant to live life with this Jesus, the one with all these glorious names. You need hope. The only hope is found in him. You may be here today, but have never met Jesus in a personal way. You've always admired him, but you never realized that he's alive and still in the business of changing lives. He can do that for you. Christmas is the story of a gift. And let's just say that after this service, I came down the aisle and came to find you with a smile on my face and a big, huge wrapped box in my hands, a present for you. And you said, oh, Steve, you shouldn't have. But oh, I did. And I went and I got this for you. And you said, Steve, thank you very much. But I'm a little busy right now. Could I pick it up later? And I said, oh, well, I was kind of hoping you would open it right now. Oh, Steve, I'd like to. Thank you for thinking of me, but, you know, I don't actually know if I need it. I'm not sure I really want it. Thanks for the gesture, but you keep that gift, okay? And I'd say, excuse me, but I, was, I just have to tell you this present cost me everything. 
I literally spent it all and I can't return it. It's got your name on it. And it would give me such great joy to give it to you, this gift. And you said, Steve, how can I put it to you? I don't want your present. Well, that's pretty offensive, I'd say. Well, God is offering us the gift of eternal life. He sent his son to die on the cross. He gave it all to purchase this gift and offers us the gift of eternal life, confident hope with the wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And we either reach out and receive that gift or we reject it. He's offering you, my friend, that gift this very moment, but it's up to you to decide to receive it. It really is all you ever hoped for. And if you will, I promise you on the authority of God's word that this will be the most blessed Christmas you have ever had. It will because it's more than all you ever hoped for. He is almighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor.